You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke 10, 25 through 28, from the Common English Bible. Loving your neighbor. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what's written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. The word of God for the people of God. Over the last few months, many people, laity and clergy alike, have been asking themselves, can they still find a spiritual home in the United Methodist Church? Now, many people love their local congregation, but there is significant strife in our global denomination over the rules of inclusion, meaning ordination and marriage, of people who are gay. Now, in the New England Conference, I personally know one friend from seminary who left the denomination and his congregation also chose to disaffiliate from the UMC because they were tired of waiting for the rules to change to allow for full inclusion. In our own Virginia Annual Conference, I have one friend and his congregation who disaffiliated because they were worried that the rules would change to be inclusive and they don't want to see that happen. The Virginia Conference has already had a total of 43 churches approved to leave the denomination, and there are more slated to be voted on later this year. The tension has been building for decades. Just yesterday, I had an interview with a reporter talking about our building project, and she said, now this doesn't have to do with the story, but I'm just curious. I was Methodist 30 years ago, but I left because my best friend couldn't be part of the church because she's gay. Where Where are you all with that right now? So after decades and decades of strife, it can be discouraging to think about what it is to be a follower of Christ and to be Methodist. So with all of this on my mind and my heart, as I prayed about what my last sermon would be before I go on my five-month renewal leave, I felt led that we need to remember who we are as Christians who call their spiritual home the Methodist Church. It's important sometimes for us to reground ourselves in the very basic fundamental identity of who we are as a church and who we are as disciples. Now, the foundation of the Methodist church began with the inspiration of the preaching and leadership of John Wesley. He and his brother Charles were both priests in England in the 18th century, and they felt a call to lead a revival among the churches. They didn't intend to start a new denomination. But when they were university students at Oxford University, they were very serious about their faith, and they formed a group of like-minded men, and they called this the Holy Club. They were young adults who were methodical in their study, 
and in the way they lived out their faith. But their disciplined spiritual practices actually drew some scorn from their fellow students, and they called them names. Some of the names that they called them were Bible moths, because they were always reading scripture, or Methodist, because they were so methodical. Now, between those two choices and denominational names, I'm glad we went with Methodist and not Bible moth. (laughs) Wesley actually disliked the term Methodist, but that is what we have embraced over the last 300 years. Because we are people who seek to be methodical in the way that we integrate our Christian belief, what we know in our minds, with the way we live our lives in Christian action. Being a Methodist is about being a full-bodied disciple of Jesus. It is about encompassing our entire life, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. This includes our family life, our employment, our citizenship, and our leisure time. Discipleship is seen in how we live out our faith every day, not just how we live out our faith when we attend worship. John Wesley took seriously the call that Jesus gave to us to love with all that we are, mind, body, strength, soul, spirit, all of who we are, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Is the integration of those two in Jesus' greatest commandment that leads the Methodists. In the Gospel of Luke, the telling of this says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus does not separate these two. For him, loving God and loving neighbor are intimately connected, and they cannot be separated. So a Methodist loves God. But this is not a sentimental, syrupy, romantic type of love in our minds. It is the deeply rooted truth that God created everything that there is out of love. God's action of creation was an act of love. And because God made all that there is, including you and me and all of us gathered here, we are rooted in this love of God's creation. And because God first loved us, we respond by loving God back and loving our neighbors. Now, some folks hear this and they think, well, I've done a lot of things in my life. I don't think God loves me. I think there's too much that I've done. I've got to clean up my act. I don't deserve God's love. I've got to fix myself, and then I'll be ready for that. But there is nothing we can do to earn God's love. There is nothing we can do to earn God's love. In this season of Lent, we talk about some practices with focus, like prayer and fasting. But we talk about them not as a way of cleaning up our act, not as a way of earning God's love, but they are simply holy habits that help us become more aware of God's love that already exists for us. During my renewal leave, there are eight holy habits that I outlined in the newsletter and that you'll be getting in your Friday email. You hopefully got the first one yesterday talking about prayer. And over the next five months, I encourage you to join me in these holy habits. They are not ways that we make ourselves better, make ourselves holy. These holy habits are simply intentional practices that help us encounter God's love in every aspect of life. 
Encountering God's love in our heart, in our soul, in our strength, and our mind. All love comes first from God. And because God loved us, we then love others. When you all gather for worship at Clarendon United Methodist on Holy Thursday, or what we call Monday Thursday, we remember the commandment Jesus gives, love one another as I have loved you. Because God loves us, we can love other people. We see this embodied in Jesus, in the way that he lived and in the way that he preached and what he wanted his disciples to do. Now, some of you may have heard that story. It's probably apocryphal, but the story of the young child who had a newborn sibling. When that baby came home from the hospital, the older child asked to hold the baby and have a moment alone. The parents were a little nervous about what was going to happen, but they stepped outside the room and stayed close enough so that they could listen in case there was trouble. And they overheard the older child saying to the baby, tell me what God is like, because I'm starting to forget. We are given life by God who is love. We are born into this world knowing we are loved and we forget. And so what John Wesley did was he sought ways to remember that he was loved by God and to share that love with other people. In fact, he was ordained as a priest before he felt that heartwarming experience that we remember and celebrate in May on Aldersgate Day. He was preaching God's love before he had had that heartwarming experience for himself. He knew it to be true in his head, he loved God with his head, but he had yet to make that connection with his heart. That is why Jesus says we are to love God with our whole being. Loving God with our heads is not enough. Loving God with our hearts is important. And loving God with our hearts and our heads is important, but we also need to love God with our whole bodies and to serve others in the name of Jesus. Do you know how much God loves you? In case you've forgotten, let me remind you. You are created in God's image. You are created in God's image. You are created in God's image. In the image of the one who made everything out of love, that is who you are modeled after. You do not need to earn God's love. It is given to you. You claim God's love, and because of this, you respond. When we receive a gift, we want to reciprocate sometimes by giving a gift of our own and sometimes by writing a thank you note or responding in some other way. When we receive a gift from God, the love, the life, all that we've been given, we respond by loving God and loving others, which includes loving God with our minds, our hearts, our souls, and our bodies. So in the early days of Methodism, John Wesley encouraged all of the Methodists to have specific practices. And among those method methodical practices, he had them ask two questions every week. The first question was, how has God's love been real to me? The second question was, how is the love of God orienting my discipleship? So those are the two questions I want to leave you all with to ponder over the next five months. Each and every day, ask yourself, how has God's love been made real to me? And how has the love of God oriented my discipleship? This in of God's love and out of God's love for our neighbors 
receiving and sharing. This is the rhythm, the heartbeat of discipleship. Receiving God's love and sharing God's love. This is the rhythm of discipleship. During my time away, this congregation will continue to worship through song and through prayer and through hearing the word proclaimed and through sharing and Holy Communion. I know this congregation will continue to serve others by sharing food, by being generous with your time and your talents and your treasure. And I know this congregation will continue to embrace all beloved children of God. I will hold you in my prayers during this time. And I pray that you will pray for me as I dwell in this time to sit in God's love, to remember how much God has created in this world and how we respond to this love. By loving God and by loving our neighbors, that, Jesus says, is how we experience eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen.